On today's inaugural episode, Biden makes an interesting financial proposal, Trump continues to shower admiration on the January 6th rioters, and a closer look into the next GOP superstar. I'm your host, Brad Sprinkle, and welcome to The Progressive Project. Greetings, and welcome to episode one. And yes, I have an official title now. About an hour after my introductory podcast, I decided on the Progressive Project, and I'm going to stick with it for the time being. Before I get to today's show, I'd like to ask you to please rate and subscribe to the podcast, which is currently on Spotify, Breaker, Anchor, and Pocket Cast. I hope to be on additional platforms soon, but for now, that's what we have. So, with that shameless plug out of the way, let's dive right in. So the first topic I'd like to cover today is an interesting article I read last week via the National Review. In full disclosure, um, I don't have cable television, so if the likes of Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC are currently covering the story, uh, I would have no way of knowing that. So I just want to be upfront and honest that that is not where I get my political news and information. So during a press conference last Wednesday, Joe Biden pledged to end $90 billion worth of subsidies for oil companies. In effect, this would raise $90 billion for the federal government. In addition, this puts the responsibility of oil spills, gas leaks, and any additional pollution on the company, not the taxpayer. Biden said, quote, We're not asking them to do anything that is unfair. We're just not going to subsidize them anymore. In my opinion, this is one of the most interesting proposals that Joe Biden has introduced since taking office six months ago. The cutback and ending of subsidies for large multinational corporations are long overdue, especially large fossil fuel companies that pollute the earth with little to no regulation to speak of. To put it into context, the profit of major oil companies in the year 2019, and I'm going to admit 2020 because of the pandemic and the dramatic effect it had on all markets, both domestic and global, was $11.8 billion. That's not revenue, folks. That's net income. This extra government revenue would help fund a large portion of Joe Biden's human infrastructure plan, which takes aim at climate change, home health care for the elderly and disadvantaged, and expanding education, just to name a few. In addition, what's the main rhetorical question Republicans ask about large government packages? How are you going to pay for it, right? It's the oldest political trope in the conservative playbook. Well, here you go, $90 billion. And guess what? Not a single billionaire or large corporation was taxed in the process. So to me, this proposal has everything going for it. Ending needless tax subsidies for the fossil fuel industry, funding human infrastructure, which addresses so many crucial issues facing our country, and offering an enormous olive branch to the Republican Party of answering the age-old, tired question, How are you going to pay for it? We shall see if this proposal has any political will behind it. Obviously, as a progressive, I have serious doubt. At the very minimum, though, failure to support such a proposal will hurt the Republican Party in the long run, as it will further prove that they truly do not have the best interest of their constituents at heart. So the second topic you could probably file under, well, what else is new? But um, 
With Donald Trump still being in the news and obviously a major threat to run again in 2024, I think it's important to cover stories that truly reveal just how dangerous and destructive he is, even while being officially out of power. This story doesn't just further illuminate the threat imposed by Donald Trump, but the Republican Party that continues to bootlick at any opportune time. In a recent interview aired on Fox News last week, former President Donald Trump sang the praises of the violent insurrectionists that stormed the Capitol on January 6th. He is quoted as saying that those who attacked the Capitol were, quote, peaceful people and patriots. Very interesting way to phrase it, of course. As a reminder, five people died that day, and members of both chambers of Congress were rushed to safety as these peaceful protesters were chanting, Hang Mike Pence! Hang Mike Pence! Sounds super peaceful and constructive to me. Obviously, this story is really predictable, enraging and sparking all the familiar feelings that anyone on the left has felt for the past four to five years since Trump has began campaigning. I think one of the main themes this podcast will address is the following. The egregious, never-ending hypocrisy that runs rampant throughout the Republican Party. Isn't this the same party that, on multiple occasions, has attempted to blame the violence and rioting on January 6th on Antifa? Trump himself has a tendency to invoke Antifa when it's politically convenient. If you recall the footage of a Buffalo protester being pushed over by a cop last summer, Trump attempted to defend the police force by claiming that the protester was probably Antifa. Absolutely deplorable. At the same time, you have individuals like Representative Andrew Clyde from Georgia comparing the insurrection to, quote, a normal tourist visit. I'm not kidding. Look up the footage if you don't believe me. Photos can be seen of Clyde barricading the house gallery doors as the insurrectionists tried to storm their way in. But that's neither here nor there, right? So which is it, GOP? Was January 6th a peaceful stroll through the Capitol or a violent coup attempted by Antifa? Please, pick an embarrassing narrative and stick with it. So the third topic today will be a closer look into the next GOP superstar. So another goal for this podcast will be, from time to time, taking a deeper dive into a person, ideology, or historical event that has meaning to the current political landscape today. So for the first time, I'd like to introduce a segment I'd like to call TPP Investigates. So I know a lot of people will invoke names such as Marjorie Taylor Greene, Madison Cawthorn, or Lauren Boebert when discussing the next rising star in the Republican Party. While I may take a deeper dive into these deplorable characters at a later date, I wanted to focus on someone that I genuinely believe could be the next president of the United States. I'm speaking, of course, about Ron DeSantis. Now, full disclosure, I live in Florida, so this topic hits a little closer to home. However, in two to three years, DeSantis could be the next great threat to the United States. So, who is Ron DeSantis? I must admit, his resume is quite impressive. He served in the United States Navy, graduated from Yale University and Harvard Law School. Wow. Served as a member of the House of Representatives from 2013 to 2018 and has been governor of Florida since 2019. His political stances are mostly garden variety in Republican circles. Opposes abortion and Planned Parenthood, 
austerity in the form of curtailing spending in opposition to tax increases and opposition to federal education programs advocating for the local level of decision making. DeSantis has also received acclaim from the right for his handling of the coronavirus pandemic. As a Florida native, I can tell you his plan was basically to do nothing, but since doing nothing is a priority of the Republican Party as of late, it worked out perfectly for DeSantis. And let us not forget, DeSantis prioritized COVID-19 vaccines to his rich friends in Key Largo in exchange for a large political donation. In addition, DeSantis has pushed through some controversial policy, such as the banning of CRT in public schools. Even though critical race theory isn't part of the curriculum for a large majority of the country until you get to college, and putting into place stiffer penalties for those who protest, in essence making it legal to run over people in the street. So, why is DeSantis such a threat? I think it's pretty simple. He's a more intelligent, polished, and qualified version of the current favorite to run for the GOP nomination in 2024. And of course, I'm speaking of Donald Trump. Here's why DeSantis is smart. He'll play both sides of the delicate dance that is both appealing to the MAGA crowd and doing just enough to separate himself when need be. Case in point, the way DeSantis has handled the Surfside condo collapse, in which is of the recording of this podcast has claimed the lives of 94 people. When Trump was rallying in Sarasota, Florida a week ago, DeSantis declined to attend. Instead, he cited a duty of responsibility to assist with the collapse and the multiple families affected. That's incredibly smart and will do just enough to separate himself from Trump when it's both essential to do so, along with being optically the correct political move. In summation, DeSantis absolutely will continue to suck up to Trump, but in key moments, he shows just enough political wherewithal to come off as a compassionate, caring individual, a personality gear that Trump has never nor ever will possess. With names such as Ted Cruz, Tucker Carlson, and Rand Paul getting just 1% support of the latest GOP straw poll, DeSantis is the clear favorite, especially if Trump decides not to run in 2024. If Trump does run, which I fully anticipate he will, it should be a fascinating race between the old-school conservative wing of the GOP and the QAnon MAGA sect that care far more about trolling the left than anything that could be construed as meaningful policy. So that'll do it for today's show. I want to thank all of you out there for listening. And I know that um, currently the audience is very, very small um, for this podcast, but anyone listening, um, I really appreciate it. Um, I realize a lot of these segments are really, really short. Um, I'm still learning to um, research and figure out how long these segments should be, but I figure for now a shorter podcast is better than a longer one. I don't want to lose anyone's attention span, especially when considering a topic such as politics, which you know, it won't be for everybody. So thank you again for listening. Um, please tell your friends and family about the podcast. Uh, I'm just an independent podcaster trying to make this work out of his spare room in his house. So um, please rate and subscribe this podcast on Spotify, Breaker, Anchor, and Pocket Cast. And I think within the next week or two, hopefully, we'll be on Google Podcasts along with hopefully Apple Podcasts as well. So more platforms to come hopefully in the next week or two. 
Again, thank you for listening, and we'll reconvene on Friday. My plan is to do podcasts every Tuesday and Friday. That's not set in stone, but that's my current goal is to get out two podcasts a week. So until then, this has been The Progressive Project. On today's episode, a breakdown of the ongoing battle to pass meaningful infrastructure, workers in Kansas have had enough of deplorable working conditions, and a deeper dive into the first politician I ever supported. I'm Brad Sprinkle, and welcome to The Progressive Project.